0: The tangible world is movement, say the masters. Not a collection of moving objects, but movement itself. There are no objects in movement. It is the movement which constitutes the objects which appear to us. They are nothing but movement. This movement is a continued and infinitely rapid succession of flashes of energy. In Tibetan, this is called tsal, or shug. All objects perceptible to our senses, all phenomena of whatever kind and whatever aspect they may assume, are constituted by a rapid succession of instantaneous events. From the Secret Oral Teachings in Tibetan Buddhist Sects by Alexandra David Neal and Lama Yongden, 1967. Hello, my friends. This is Steve, and welcome to the Baked and Awake podcast. This is episode 71 of the show, and this is a companion episode to our most recent show, episode 70, entitled Analysis and Assessment of the Gateway Process. That was a... Full reading of a document obtained from the CIA Reading Room. That's the American Intelligence Agency, the Central Intelligence Agency. We pulled the doc down from CIA.gov, and I did provide the link to the original document in last week's episode. I guess it's almost two weeks ago now. Taking this moment to remind you about that episode, because if you haven't listened to it yet, it would be a very good idea to press pause on this right now, go back and listen to the most recent show first. That should give you the context and the background that you'll want to enjoy today's episode. As I tend to try to do at the beginning of shows, I'd like to welcome you all. I'd like to thank everyone for spending some time together with me here. Um, This is a weed-related podcast. Most of the time, this episode, really, the only weed that we'll be talking about is whatever I casually happen to mention while I'm puffing with you and, and talking today. But a lot of times we go deep on Pacific Northwest Cannabis Industry, National Cannabis, News, Politics, Surrounding Cannabis, Legalization, Cannabis Lifestyles, Misconceptions, and Perceptions about Cannabis out in the public space. We do all that here and more. So if you're at work, if you're in mixed company, if you're in a place where the very occasional curse word or reference to cannabis consumption might cause you any discomfort at all. Maybe consider saving this for your ride home or later in the evening when you're on your own time. You can find all episodes of the podcast, including last episode about the Gateway process, at www.bakedandawake.com, where you'll find detailed show notes about just about every episode. And an easy means of contacting yours truly there for your follow-up questions, if you just have some feedback for me on the show. If you're an email-friendly person like I am and you want to just get straight at me, you can always do that at talktous at That email goes straight to me, and uh, I'm delighted every time I receive an email about it. Before I jump into what I've put together for you here today is a bulleted list of the top five takeaways I got from the analysis and assessment of the Gateway Process document. To recap, for those of you who did listen last week but um, are getting you know back into the swing of things, this is that doc that we obtained from 1983, where the CIA was discussing. A examination of a private institute's process for training people in such areas and skills as things like lucid dreaming, um, astral projection, remote viewing. These are terms that are very familiar to those of us who are fringe, you know, topic buffs, um, and a whole lot more. But before we jump into our takeaways from the doc, I'd like to set the stage for what was going on in America and the world, you know, back at that time, that such a task as this should be set before the United States' premier intelligence gathering organization. As we said, the report is dated 1983, the 9th of June. It was a Thursday, Ronald Reagan is POTUS, but we don't use that acronym yet. Across the Atlantic, Margaret Thatcher's famously conservative Parliament is re-elected in a landslide to a second term. In popular music, the song "Flashdance," better known by its chorus, "What a feeling." tops the U.S. pop music charts, while the still young and rising star Michael Jackson occupied the number five spot on Motown's R&B Top 100 chart with the song Beat It. MJ is many years and many more chart-topping hits away from the scandals and accusations that would plague him in the era leading up to his death. But let's keep going. Let's paint this picture in just a little bit more. Also in 1983, at the same time that the CIA is paying people to deeply and seriously investigate and report upon things like, as we already said, astral projection and remote viewing. In a program we've come to know as the Monroe Institute's gateway process, we have, at the very same time, the creation of crack cocaine in the Bahamas where it almost immediately moves to the USA. That same year, 267 Marines are killed in a terrorist attack in Beirut, an act that would lead directly to a U.S. invasion of Grenada, two days later. The space shuttle Challenger is still flying, with America's first female astronaut, Sally Ride, aboard. In 1983, the U.S. government, for some reason, admits to shielding Klaus Barbie, a.k.a. the Butcher of Lyon, an infamous and murderous Nazi who was wanted in France for war crimes. Compact discs are also introduced in 1983, heralding the end of the golden era of vinyl records and foreshadowing our future digital future, that is. Some of you listening to this podcast right now may have never played a CD in your lives. Ditto for cassette tapes as an aside to that. Uh, Meanwhile, Motorola, in that same year of 1983, had just received permission to test cellular telephone technology in the United States for the first time. Also, for the first time, the El Nino weather phenomenon became worldwide news, marking the moment when we as a people became aware of concepts such as global warming, or as we tend to call it today by the very neutered label, climate change. On the television in our house at that time, Professional tantrum thrower John McEnroe was screaming at line judges in ways that today would certainly get him banned for life if not up on charges, while Martina Navratilova was, much more quietly, playing better tennis than everyone alive put together, including the legendary Billie Jean King, and perhaps even that loud American man. The Islanders. Our New York Islanders. Under the capable leadership of brawler and multiple record breaking leading scorer, future Hall of Famer Mike Bossy, number 22. Fellow prolific scorer Brian Trottier, also a future NHL Hockey Hall of Famer, and anchored by the legendary goalie Billy Smith. Yes also a Hockey Hall of Famer, had the Stanley Cup. Still, the Islanders won four in a row between the 79 and 1980 season and 1984. Between this dynasty and the soon-to-come amazing Mets in 1986, these were, in my humble opinion, without equivocation or room for interpretation, the wonder years for Long Islanders, that we still reminisce about to this day. As for myself, young Stephen. Well, I guess I was nine years old at the time, and still almost two months away from my tenth birthday, one slightly notable in that I received a couple of token, but seemingly very important, grown-up gifts that year those being my first wallet with a 10 spot and a dime inside the cost of a telephone call on a payphone, and a shiny new casio digital watch with calendar and chronograph it was actually not shiny i had the black rubber sport watch which i was way more excited about than a silver metal wristband at that time but boy was i ever on my way As I hope I've established with some small degree of credibility, it was, in many ways, a different time. It was a time where we see, however, the births and beginnings of some things that will come to dominate our lives today. In 1983, we saw bright hope for the future in the form of space flights and technological wonders like cell phones, though not detailed above the game-changer of personal computers, of course. But there is, as yet, no Internet. The world is still a little bit smaller place. More ominously at that time, we experience the United States invasion of Granada, in the first of a series of Central and South American conflicts Some would characterize them as U.S.-backed regime change campaigns. That won't end until after the Iran-Contra scandal in Reagan's second term in 1986, for which only Oliver North, a lowly colonel, an obvious scapegoat, and a few government contractors are ever found guilty or serve any significant time for having secretly laundered and delivered $18 million dollars and probably a pile of weapons to the cocaine-trade-powered Contras. Now you know where the video game got its name. The Contras were fighting at that time to overthrow the Cuban-backed, and therefore to us, evil communist scum, Sandinista regime in Nicaragua, in violation of the Boland Agreement, Boland Amendment, excuse me, that specifically banned the CIA and the U.S. Department of Justice from funding groups with ties to the drug trade. This shameful meddling in the name of democracy was made more humiliating by the fact that the $18 million that did end up in the Contra's hands came from a larger sum of $30 million and a verified pile of weapons that were traded to Iran for seven American hostages that had been kidnapped in 1985 in Lebanon this deal was brokered in secret while President Reagan loudly proclaimed that we do not negotiate with terrorists. Except when we do and then we won't tell you about it until you catch us. I include the last example as a means of establishing a connection between the U.S. government at that time and its foreign policy and that of today. In the 1980s, our executive branch of government would and did engage in acts of deception, violations of our own laws, as well as international best practices for dealing with fractious groups and governments around the world. This has not changed, as we have frequently observed here on Baked and Awake when looking at more modern actions taken by our government closer to the present day. This is going to be my takeaways, my impressions. You may read this document and pick up on other details that are just as crucial, just as illuminating, as what we're going to discuss next. But these struck me, caused me to scribble notes in the margins of the doc as I read it, and stuck in my head in the days after reading it and then re-listening to my own narration of the document itself. These themes just sat more and more on my awareness as the things that I wanted to at least make some contact with here with you. To begin, these are the threads we will pull on in our examination of the report. Right up top, number one. 36 years ago, in 1983 the CIA was seriously investigating programs like the Monroe Institute's gateway process and others in an attempt to confirm the existence of and quantify even systematize utilization of such seemingly superhuman abilities, including but not limited to lucid dreaming, dream recall astral projection or Out-of-body experiences, OBEs. Remote viewing. That being the act of observing people, places, and events from afar while in a sleeping or meditative state. Add to the above the express goal of Focus 15 and Focus 21 in the gateway process that involves stepping out of the bounds of temporal space completely. Engaging in a form of time travel. You can find a description of much of that right up top in the dock in Section 1. Let's smoke, though, shall we? we got a... Randy's wired rolled up here with uh some of my own flower from the garden and this stuff is my mystery seed from last season which i have been privately calling to myself a a blueberry variety maybe even dj shorts um can't know for sure except for based on what i think i found when i found the seed at the time um and of course on the aroma and smell of the plant itself which Uh, is persistently blueberry-like, so it's been great, and I have plenty of it, so I'm just enjoying that freely all the time lately, because I should have some right through my next harvest, so, but yeah, we need to, we need to get our heads right for the rest of this examination. ignition. On to number two. The top-level description of the techniques employed by the Monroe Institute in their gateway process are a sort of pop psychological pastiche of things like binaural beats, isochronic frequencies, other audio tones, subtle ones. These are coupled with Auto hypnotic suggestion, which is the sibilant sort of whisperings of barely audible words or, or statements, affirmations. Uh, also, breathing exercises, very much connected to you know meditation type practices, and uh, as far as is noted in the report this is all achieved, it would seem, without the use of drugs. So it does appear physically to be at least initially mostly harmless and and unsurprising to those of us thinking about it in 2019 with decades of exposure to, you know, yoga in popular culture, mindfulness in the workplace, self-care tips from Pinterest helping us achieve our collective enlightenment between our trips to Target for all material goods not purchased on Amazon but this isn't 2019 it's 1983, there's no Amazon, there's no Target neighborhood butcher shops with sawdust on the wrinkled hardwood floor with their smell and texture so magical that it defies explanation those are still a thing Travel agents were still as successful as attorneys, probably worked twice as hard. And the CIA is investigating such high, new-agey-seeming weirdness as this, with a dead serious approach that recognizes everything it's looking into is being part of understood science not the paranormal, not witchcraft. The creator of the report and the gateway process, the Monroe Institute itself, invokes such labels and nomenclatures as quantum, holograms, dimensions, etc., and leans heavily on physicists to provide the framework for understanding the systems, tools, and processes at work. All this with the objective of learning from the gateway process the secrets of consciousness itself. Access to the great, unwritten, but nevertheless perfectly preserved whole of universal knowledge, in the form of something that we only have terms like the Akashic Records, air quotes, for, and how to participate in events at any point in time or space, everywhere in the past, present, or future. the key concept I just described there are enumerated under section 5 of the document, at least introduced. Three. In section 12, we come to understand, quote, Energy creates, stores, and retrieves meaning in the universe by projecting or expanding at certain frequencies in a three-dimensional mode that creates a living pattern called a hologram. I put a side note here for those who are interested. If you've never heard of it, this is a book that I think has shaped my entire worldview for my whole adult life, and I encountered it, fortunately, very soon after it came out. I I read it in the early 90s, and I believe it was published initially in 1989. It's a visionary book from an author and a physicist called Michael Talbot. It's entitled The Holographic Universe. I believe it's still available in paperback and audiobook. Um, You may even be able to find someone reading it on YouTube somewhere. In short... The CIA says, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the Absolute, as they refer to it, is an infinite, self aware, energetic field that pervades and suffuses everything in the universe. This field expresses itself and experiences itself through movement in a three dimensional realm, wherein Every iota of matter is just one of countless resonating fields of energy experiencing reality from its own perspective, with perfect capture of the information being created into the universal hologram. This information can be retrieved during certain exercises and methods such as the gateway process describes. The CIA also admits to and notes the similarities between things like trances, meditation, and kundalini psychosis, as they label it, to their gateway process. My fourth takeaway comes from section 19 of the doc where we find the report painstakingly describes how human consciousness establishes and maintains a nearly continuous but ephemeral level of contact with the infinite, that absolute, through completely natural oscillations in brainwave frequencies, focusing in on the moment of rest in between swings of, I want to say it's your theta brain wavelength when you're sleeping in the sleep state, in between the swings, at the tiny, completely imperceptible moment when our brainwave stops for just a nanosecond before swinging the other way, our consciousness is said to click out of this dimension and joins the absolute. To explain it, they invoke Planck's distance to explain the moment this occurs. A little background for us all on Planck's length to remind us. Planck's length, as we often refer to it today, is explained in part as follows. I took this from the wiki, okay, on this one. Link will be in the show notes for you. The Planck length is the scale at which quantum gravitational effects are believed to begin to be apparent. Where interactions require a working theory of quantum gravity to be analyzed. The Planck area is the area by which the surface of a spherical black hole increases when the black hole swallows one bit of information. To measure anything the size of Planck length, the photon momentum needs to be very large due to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and so much energy in such a small space would create a tiny black hole with the diameter of its event horizon equal to a Planck length. Finally, and this is Steve again, the Planck length being the infinitesimally small distance beneath which we cannot currently perceive a smaller unit, right? A shorter distance. It's not measurable below the Planck length. Thus, quantum. Thus, no longer a single point in the universe, but somehow encompassing ...all points in the universe. Wacky stuff. We went out too, so let's relight. Number five. The report appears to describe a model of understanding the universe that characterizes the shape of the universe as a torus or a self-enclosed spiral inside of a like egg-shaped shell thinking of the torus think about those animations we see on you know modern science documentaries on TV. Everybody uses them these days, even, you know, whether you're Flat Earth, Globe Earth, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye follower or not, you're going to see animations of uh, electrical torus fields that look like spinning apple core kind of analogy, an apple shape with the, the spreading at the top of the shape of the apple where the stem comes out. You can follow the shape of the skin of the apple all the way back around to the bottom where it goes back up together to where the blossom originally was. The little apple booty hole. You could also sort of call to mind those uh, round jewelry bracelets that are like costume jewelry that are made of something like a slinky material. Um you know, a metal woven in a crossways pattern of X's uh, that's round, and you can endlessly rotate it and, you know, spin it up and down your arm and it doesn't twist itself up or tie itself into knots. This torus inside the eggshell gestalt, for lack of a better term, it goes on to explain that the parts of the universe that we presently observe now from our vantage point tend to support an understanding that we're existing near the top of that moving spiral pattern, right? Our physical observations give us this indication and that we're about to sort of move up and over the apex out to the outer part of the skin where our locality will begin to fall back around the outside to the bottom where it will then turn back in towards the universal center to be reabsorbed and then I guess, eventually reborn out the other side of the pattern. Probably not in the same shape or arrangement, right? <laughs> it would be my guess. Refer to Section 25 of the CIA report for a more complete and much more succinct explanation of this notion. Those were, like, my big, big top five. That blew me away and the connections and the import of them. I thought about like enumerating what it all meant to me, to you, but I don't know that that's necessary because I feel like the, the extent to which we've discussed each of those takeaways, for example, should hopefully be enough to allow you to ponder it a little yourself and maybe roll back to the dock and check out. You know, you don't have to print this out. You can read it as a PDF, obviously, right on on screen, on your phone if you want to. Uh, I found it much easier to deal with, print it out. But to go back to the doc and take a look at some of the things that we're talking about and ask yourself, does this sound like something to me that I've already wondered about, that I've already ruminated upon or maybe practiced to a certain extent? A lot of this is stuff that any of you who have spent time just doing breathing exercises in your life, just trying to become centered. Those of you who have ever kept a dream journal for any period of time in your life. Those of you who have ever turned a page of an Eastern philosophical book, pick one. doesn't matter which. You'll probably have heard something in the last half hour or so of me blabbering at you that reminds you quite a bit of something that you either already wondered about or already in your heart knew. So for that reason I'm not going to go into why number one means what it means to me and number two what that what that what emanations that sends out into our understanding of the universe. I can't tell you what your understanding is we're all walking this path together alone together and so I'll allow you to reach back out to me and tell me what you think when you get a peek at this dock a couple of my friends have already said hello to me just lightly uh, in reference to this and uh one of my friends I got to go on a short, way too short bike ride with last weekend. You know who you are, buddy. And uh, we didn't even get to scratch the surface, but we both wanted to. But we both knew we needed a much longer ride to do it. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to that uh, as the weather keeps getting better here this uh, this spring soon. And uh, I don't think we're done exploring the Gateway Process Stock. There are addendum supplemental documents to this that I haven't even touched yet that I haven't even touched yet I know they exist SMQAI has talked about several of them at some length on his YouTube channel and and let's not forget that that's the gentleman who dropped all this on us in the first place he got it from a fellow friend and YouTuber Buster1978 so shout out to both of you uh, researchers, boys Right now uh, for giving me one of the most fascinating topics I've stumbled across, certainly since Mud Flood and Tartaria. And those two together, the, the Mud Flood-Tartaria mystery and, and, and this one, are probably two of the wildest things I've spent time on here on the podcast. And actually have the most potential real-world weight in, in all sorts of different ways. And so for those reasons, you know, we will... Take our time. I won't put all my shit on you and tell you what this all means. We'll talk about it together. We'll sit with it. It's not going anywhere. None of this stuff is new. Talking about a 35-year-old program, which, by the way, greatly resembles the movie that a few of you have probably made the connection to by now here. Uh, The Clooney movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats, right? And uh, that was a program that they described at the beginning of that movie as, you know, an unnamed blah, 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 you know, program that people have heard of but don't have, they've never admitted to. Well, this sounds like that admission here. And as I've said in other cases with other topics, I know I'm, I'm credulous as hell. I, I, I start out believing everything you tell me and only slowly become unconvinced as I, as I look into it and, you know, slowly lose enthusiasm for different topics as they, as they fall apart. But this one has been really fascinating and it resonates on 50 different levels. I mentioned the holographic universe. Other books that inform my understanding of this document straight up live on the mic with no you know, note-taking done on these, I would say Fritjof Capra's The Tao of Physics, uh, a book I read of his prior to that that was written with a, another um, author, and that one was, um, what do they call it? Oh, it was new paradigms in science and theology, but it was like something—the universe. Um, I'll look that one up for you guys and put both the Capra books in in the show notes for you because—and uh, you're going to have a hard time finding the the latter. Um, Tao of Physics, of course, is still probably being printed today, and it's an incredible book. Yoff Capra is still around and smarter than all of us put together. So, love to know what he thinks about all this stuff. <laughs> um. um What other? Absolutely my readings of the Tao. The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. So the Tao Te Ching, of course, one of the, you know, biggest uh, books of Eastern philosophy to be popularized in the West. And uh, Lao Tzu may have been a contemporary to Buddha. You may have been older. Uh, The book may not all be written by him. It's ascribed to or credited to his teachings. Um concepts like Wu Wei Wei Wu Wei doing without doing when nothing is done everything is accomplished uh, concepts like chapter one of the Tao which is like the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao themes like that I'm I'm, I'm doing a gesture with my hand right now <laughs> like as in it's so evident there are hundreds more examples like that in that book which there are okay <laughs> uh, if you don't know the Tao get the Tao in your life probably the greatest book of my entire life um and one that's, you know, never hardly there. I just turned around and reached and touched it. That's about how far away from me it gets. So, uh, but, you know, this doc, to not get any further off on my crazy side side tangent there, uh, I could probably write you a bibliography of 20 books, all of which, you know, point to things that are being discussed in the gateway process itself and in our meta conversation about it. Um, so that's always fun. But we don't we don't have to go much further there. Let's get back to the doc. Those were my five top takeaways. I did bullet out a few other little things to keep your eyes out for when you're checking out the doc. Um, and let's definitely take these to the to the emails and to the internets, comment on my Instagram posts. I've posted about this on Instagram a few times. Go follow S M Q A I on Instagram and ask him about this. You know, he'll have better answers than me. But uh, tell him Steve sent you. Other things I saw that I that I really want to make sure that at least are mentioned for you guys. Take note of the subliminal and subaudible audio tones and auto hypnotic suggestion that they employ in the gateway process and understand that that's integral to their process of going beyond like merely a highly relaxed quote-unquote meditative-centered state, right, where you're feeling like, yeah, my chakras are aligned, bro, uh, and breaking through to focus 15 or so where these guys are starting to do really ridiculous things like heal illnesses in their body using a, well, where, where is it? Section 29 describes an energy bar tool that is directly likened to a psychic magic wand of some kind. So, you know, they're talking about needing to layer a whole bunch of different methods and techniques on a person to put them in a state that they can transcend time and space and heal themselves and lucid dream and remote view, etc. These are all discussed in the framework of things that have been observed or reported anecdotally or um, in some other way recorded as having happened many times throughout history almost always by mystics, seers, yogis, you know, bodhisattvas, uh, supernatural and superhuman seeming characters from history are Jesuses and Buddhas, etc. Krishna. Who themselves either were born with it, Because I'm Jesus, the son of God. And I came in and once I was, you know, a certain age, started manifesting my powers after I got baptized. Um, But he always had it in him, right? Or through lifelong practice that takes, in many cases, years or decades of isolation and, uh, you know, single-minded dedication and the abdication of almost all other earthly, you know, motivations and pleasures, just to get to that place where you can, you know, you become a mini Yoda of some kind. Uh, I noticed somewhere in the doc uh, for sure that uh, they talked about how it, it redefines our understanding of everything that we previously considered paranormal, spiritual, what was possible or impossible, and it went on to describe that a thorough understanding of the gateway process can largely explain almost all paranormal phenomena and oddities of human perception. And the way it was expressed when I read it definitely reminded me of a, a roundabout way of them trying to say this is kind of could explain things like deja vu or somebody like SMQ and others who are a little bit closer and who have been really, you know, experiencing personally uh, Mandela effect phenomena in their lives they would probably call that mandala effect for sure um but I, i i felt like yeah deja vu which has always been something i've experienced and something that i found very unusual and like it was a key to something important right anybody who's experienced deja vu more than a few times probably has a little bit of that kind of relationship with it um I'd love to hear you guys déjà vu stories or feelings about déjà vu. Please holler at me. Talk to us at com. Let's talk déjà vu. Um another one that was amazing in this doc patterning. Uh they describe it in section 30B. And uh so the label of the of the of the chapter heading is patterning and it sounds a lot like uh something I know as the law of attraction or you may know as the secret so they go into some detail on that Um, focus 15 and focus 21 you will find a little later on in the doc you will find them in section 29 which is uh, a section that has a bunch of subsections in it but G and H have to do with focus 15 and focus 21 section 29 G is focus 15 travel into the past The focus levels are the levels of, you know, meditative consciousness focus that you need to attain to begin to execute on certain levels. The lowest levels would be like that lucid dreaming, like become aware while you're sleeping and then bring back, you know, some of your dream data. Remote viewing is somewhere up around focus five, I think, something like that, which is itself fairly hard to attain, These Focus 15 and Focus 21 temporal, you know, fuckery are very difficult to attain and even only a small percentage of the students who may have some success with things like the gateway process and achieving stuff like Focus 5 may never get to Focus 15 or Focus 21 where you have travel into the past and Focus 21 is travel into the future. I guess... The very, very, very last takeaway from all this would be, man, we got a new cool resource in the form of the CIA reading room. There are a couple other cool docs that, in in one case, SMQAI is going in, going hard in the paint right now on a whole other doc that sounds just as fascinating as this in a whole new and different way. And yet, in interestingly amazing ways that, like everything does, finds ways to tie back to this program and project and the report and output of it that we've already heard and experienced, um, as well as many others. So one of the things that I've been really trying to do with the show for sure is ask myself what sort of sources I want to use for the topics that we discuss and what kind of References I want to share for people and and provide and, you know, like how to bring that level up. And what I've already been doing was using, you know, going to the most conventional, straightest, boringest uh, research tool or institution, library, Library of Congress, you know, uh, stuff like that. Um, You know, uh, records from the city, uh, in the case of the city of Seattle, in some cases – and, and other things like that, like to use the most conventional sources possible and then derive our interesting and unusual conversations and content from that rather than starting out on like DisclosedTV.net or whatever it might be out, BuzzFeed or any horrible clickbait uh, site that's out there on the internet or from some weird Reddit sub forum somewhere, um, subreddit, that's just dedicated to weird shit. All the links are either coming straight from the dark web or, or it's just stuff made up out of whole cloth from folks. This doesn't strike me as anything remotely like that, and I'm excited to explore the CIA reading room further for other topics of interest on my own and not just blindly follow along behind Buster and SMQ with their original lines of investigation here. Um, this was one that I felt felt so important to share with everybody that I've been kind of proactive in reaching out to uh, those guys and, and making sure that they knew, you know, how much respect I have for the, for the fact that they brought this topic up in the first place and are sharing it with everybody in the hopes that absolutely that I can help them continue to grow their followings uh, and, and, SMQs in particular I don't know if Buster makes much content I think he's more of like a behind the scenes guy but he's you know out there on the in the chats and helping spread the word and participating uh, greatly in the in the research side of this of this uh, whole topic uh, and others obviously so uh, again finally thank you and I'll include both of uh, links to both of those accounts on YouTube probably because that's their main uh, area where they're hanging out in the show notes I think you've got it, right? You've got it. So this is the analysis of the analysis of the gateway process doc. I hope a few of you check out the report. Go listen to my narration of it last episode. If you haven't, if you you ignored my warnings and listened to this whole episode, and now you don't go back and listen to that doc, well, then I don't know. I can't do anything else for you, can I? I can't. All right, it's March 25th. I'm going to get this out for you right away. You probably won't get another one by the end of March. I'm, I have you know, my usual rotating plans for doing different uh, types of topics coming up, but I just discovered a cool book that I'm considering. And actually, you guys can email me about this and tell me. Do you want to hear me read in serialized form this entire book? And it'll end up, in that case, getting interspersed with normal episodes as well. But I, I could front-load an opening chapter or two if you guys like the sound of this. This is a book I found in a box last night right here in our house. We inherited it a couple years ago from a dear family friend who passed away, who was uh, herself, if I'd only known what a esoteric, witchy, old broad she really was, we probably would have been hanging out every single night. Um, but she was wonderful. And uh, I was a, her daughter is also wonderful and let my wife and I get at the book's uh, first crack before anybody got anything other than her uh, from her mom's library. And this is a book printed in, first in 1935. I think this is the Halcyon House edition, um, which is showing 1938, October of 1938. The book is entitled, Man, the Unknown. And the author is Alexis Carell, C-A-R-R-E-L. Never heard of this person before. The chapter titles are super fascinating. I think what I'll do for you is I'm going to read the preface to this book right now. It's just like three pages, four pages. And then we'll see together if we want to read the whole thing together. Man, the Unknown The author of this book is not a philosopher. He is only a man of science. He spends a large part of his time in a laboratory studying living matter and another part in the world, watching human beings and trying to understand them. He does not pretend to deal with things that lie outside the field of scientific observation. In this book, he has endeavored to describe the known and to separate it clearly from the plausible, also to recognize the existence of the unknown and the unknowable. He has considered man as the sum of the observations and experiences of all times and of all countries. But what he describes, he is either seen with his own eyes or learned directly from those with whom he associates. It is his good fortune to be in a position to study, without making any effort or deserving any credit, the phenomena of life and their bewildering complexity. He has observed practically every form of human activity. He is acquainted with the poor and the rich, The sound and the diseased, the learned and the ignorant, the weak minded, the insane, the shrewd, the criminal, etc. He knows farmers, proletarians, clerks, shopkeepers, financiers. Manufacturers, politicians, statesmen, soldiers, professors, school teachers, clergymen, peasants, bourgeois, and aristocrats. The circumstances of his life have led him across the path of philosophers. Artists, poets, and scientists, and also of geniuses, heroes, and saints. At the same time, he has studied the hidden mechanisms, which in the depth of the tissues and in the immensity of the brain, are the substratum of organic and mental phenomena. He is indebted to the techniques of modern civilization for the possibility of witnessing such a gigantic spectacle. These techniques have enabled him simultaneously to give his attention to several subjects. He lives in the New World, and also in the Old. He has the privilege of spending most of his time in the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research as one of the scientists brought together in that institute by Simon Flexner. There he has contemplated the phenomena of life, while they were analyzed by incomparable experts, such as Meltzer, Jacques Loeb, Noguchi, and many others. Owing to the genius of Flexner, the study of living things has been undertaken the broadness of vision so far unequaled. Matter is investigated in those laboratories at every level of its organization, of its ascension toward the making of man. With the help of x-rays, physicists are unveiling the architectonic of the molecules of the simpler substances of our tissues, that is the spatial relations of the atoms constituting those molecules. Chemists and physical chemists devote themselves to the analysis of the more complex substances encountered within the body, such as the hemoglobin of the blood, the proteins of the tissues and the humors, and the ferments responsible for the unceasing splitting and building up of those enormous aggregates of atoms. Instead of directing their attention to the molecular edifices themselves, other chemists consider the relations of those edifices with one another when they enter the fluids of the body. In short, the physiochemical equilibria that maintain constant the composition of blood serum in spite of the perpetual changes of the tissues. Thus are brought to light the chemical aspects. Of physiological phenomena. Several groups of physiologists, with the aid of the most varied techniques, are studying the larger structures resulting from the aggregation and organization of molecules, the cells of the tissues and of the blood, that is, living matter itself. They examine those cells, their ways of association, and the laws governing their relations with their surroundings. The whole made up of the organs and humors. The influence of the cosmic environment on this whole. And the effects of chemical substances on tissues and consciousness. Other specialists devote themselves to the investigation of those small beings. The viruses and bacteria whose presence in our tissues is responsible for infectious diseases. Of the marvelous methods used by the organism in its fight against them. Of the generative diseases such as cancer, heart lesions, nephritis. Finally, the momentous problem of individuality end of its chemical basis, is being successfully attacked. The writer has had the exceptional opportunity of listening to great men specialized in these researches and of following the results of their experiments. Thus, the effort of inert matter toward organization, the properties of living beings And the harmony of our body and our mind appeared to him in their beauty. In addition, he himself has studied the most diverse subjects, from surgery to cell physiology and to metaphysics. This was made possible by facilities which, for the first time, were put at the disposal of science for the performance of its task. It seems that the subtle inspiration of Welch and the practical idealism of Frederick T. Gates caused new conceptions of biology and new formulas for researching to spring from Flexner's mind. To the pure spirit of science, Flexner gave the help of new methods designed to save the workers' time to facilitate their free cooperation, and to create better experimental techniques. Owing to these innovations, one can not only undertake extensive researches of one's own, but also acquire a first-hand knowledge of subjects whose mastery in former days necessitated the whole lifetime of several scientists. We now possess such a large amount of information on human beings that its very immensity prevents us from using it properly. In order to be of service, our knowledge must be synthetic and concise. This book, therefore, was not intended to be a treatise on man. For such a treatise would run into dozens of volumes... The author's intention was merely to build up an intelligible synthesis of the data which we possess about ourselves. He has attempted to describe a large number of fundamental facts in a very simple manner, and still not be elementary. Not to indulge in scientific popularization or to offer to the public a weak and childish aspect of reality. He has written for the scholar as well as for the layman. He fully understands the difficulties inherent in the temerity of his undertaking. He has tried to confine all knowledge of man within the pages of a small book. Of course, he has not succeeded. He will not satisfy the specialists, because they know far more than he does and they will regard him as superficial. Neither will he please the general public, for this volume contains too many technical details. However, in order to acquire a synthetic knowledge of ourselves, it was indispensable to summarize the data of several sciences, and also to depict with bold and rapid strokes the physical, chemical, and physiological mechanisms hidden under the harmony of our acts and our thoughts. We must realize that an attempt, however awkward and though partly a failure, is better than no attempt at all. The necessity of compressing a large amount of information into a short space has important drawbacks. It gives a dogmatic appearance to propositions which are nothing but Conclusions of Observations and Experiments Subjects that have engrossed physiologists, hygienists, physicians, educators, economists, sociologists, for years have often had to be described in a few lines or a few words. Almost every sentence of this book is the expression of the long labor of a scientist, of his patient researches, sometimes of his entire lifetime spent in the study of a single problem. For the sake of conciseness, the writer has been obliged briefly to summarize gigantic masses of observations. Thus, descriptions of facts have been given in forms of assertions. To a similar cause may be attributed a seeming lack of accuracy. Most organic and mental phenomena have been treated in a diagrammatic manner. Therefore, things that markedly differ appear to be grouped Together, as at a distance, houses, rocks, and trees are not distinguishable from one another. It must not be forgotten that in this book, the expression of reality is only approximately accurate. A brief description of an immense subject involves inevitable defects, but the sketch of a landscape should not be expected to contain all the details of a photograph. Before beginning this work, the author realized its difficulty, its almost impossibility. He undertook it merely because somebody had to undertake it. Because men cannot follow modern civilization along its present course because they are degenerating. They have been fascinated by the beauty of the sciences of inert matter. They have not understood that their body and consciousness are subjected to natural laws more obscure than but as inexorable as the laws of the sidereal world. Neither have they understood that they cannot transgress these laws without being punished. They must, therefore, learn the necessary relations of the cosmic universe, of their fellow men, and of their inner selves, and also those of their tissues and their mind. Indeed, man stands above all things. Should he degenerate, the beauty of civilization and even the grandeur of the physical universe would vanish. For these reasons, this book was written. It was not written in the peace of the country, but in the confusion the noise, and the wariness of New York. The author has been urged to carry out this work by his friends, philosophers, scientists, jurists, economists, with whom he has for years discussed the great problems of our time. From Frederick R. Coudert, Penetrating vision reaches beyond the horizons of America. Those of Europe came the impulse responsible for this book. Indeed, the majority of the nations follow the lead of North America. Those countries that have blindly adopted the spirit and the techniques of industrial civilization. Russia, as well as England... France, and Germany are exposed to the same dangers as the United States. Humanity's attention must turn from these machines and the world of inanimate matter to the body and the soul of man, to the organic and mental processes which have created the machines and the universe of Newton and Einstein. The only claim of this book is to put at everyone's disposal, an ensemble of scientific data concerning, concerning the human beings of our time. We are beginning to realize the weakness of our civilization. Many want to shake off the dogmas imposed upon them by modern society. This book has been written for them. And also for those who are bold enough to understand the necessity, not only of mental, political, and social changes, but of the overthrow of industrial civilization and of the advent of another conception of human progress. This book is therefore dedicated to all whose everyday task is the rearing of children, the formation or the guidance of the individual. To school teachers, hygienists, physicians, clergymen, social workers, professors, judges, army officers, engineers, economists, politicians, industrial leaders, bloggers, vloggers, YouTubers, and podcasters. Also to those who are interested in the mere knowledge of our body and our mind. In short, to every man and woman. It is offered to all as a simple account of facts revealed about human beings by Scientific observation I think we'll leave you with that everybody I'll get to editing and we'll get this out to you as quick as we can take care of yourselves take care of your loved ones look forward to a garden update coming soon on the next episode I'm sure we'll roll that in with whatever other content we do and please give me your thoughts on the CAA document about the gateway process and uh I think we know right now that we're gonna want to read Man the Unknown by Alexis Carell so uh I'll get to work on that for you as well I love you guys don't forget smoke that indica and do shit anyway Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits.